Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Amen. Amen. Well, such an honor to be back home tonight. Honored to be here and and uh, honored to be standing behind this pulpit tonight. Uh, thank Brother Beard for the opportunity to minister here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew tonight. Matthew chapter 27. We'll begin reading at verse 22, just two short verses here. And then Mark chapter 15 and verse 15, just one verse there. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22 says, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Mark chapter 15 and verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Amen. And with the help of the Lord tonight, this has kind of been weighing on me the last couple of days since um, I knew my time to minister here was coming up. But I want to minister this thought tonight. I'm borrowing Pilate's question tonight, and I'm titling it this, What Shall We Do With Jesus? What Shall We Do With Jesus? One more time, would you place your Bibles beside you? Can we just go to the Lord in prayer one more time? Could you lift your hands? Could you lift your voices? Lord Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to be gathered together in your house. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to hear your word. Lord Jesus, we ask you now, Lord, that your word would minister to our hearts and our minds. Let it speak to us tonight. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would go about our way tonight after this service with a better understanding of what you've come to do and, Lord, your work that you want to do in our lives. And, God, we just thank you in advance for your word. And everybody said in Jesus' name. One more time, would you clap your hands and love Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What shall we do? A question that has seemed to circulate, obviously, for quite some time, but now, especially in the times that we have been brought into in the last few years, I have heard this question more than I often have. What Shall we do? What are we going to do? I've heard it asked, what are we going to do about our economy? What are we going to do about our kids' education? And 
What are we going to do about groceries and our economy and uh, finances? And what are we going to do about the direction of our world? What are we going to do about the direction our country is going in? What shall we do? Our nation has been put in a tailspin over these last few years and life as we knew it has changed and not really for the better. And it has left many people asking this question, what are we going to do? What shall we do about the attack on our children and their innocence? What shall we do if we enter into another world war? What are we going to do if this antichrist agenda keeps pushing forward and churches come under attack greater than before? And the list can go on and on as we sit and ponder all the what-ifs and the hows and, and things that we may feel need answers to. And I'm certainly not here tonight to just shine a light on doom and gloom and be negative, but it is the world that we are living in today and it is the questions people are asking and being faced with. And while all these questions are certainly important and definitely deserve us uh, giving our full attention to, there is one question that we all must be assured of our answer to, and especially in the last days of this old world. And that question is one that has been passed down through the ages. It began with the moment that I just read to you in our text, and that question is, what shall I do with Jesus? There will come a time when every single person will have to answer this question. Some have. Some are still deciding. Some have gave an answer at one time and then perhaps changed their mind another. And unfortunately, some may not have had the opportunity of having this question asked to them just yet. But as of right now, tonight, this question has come to all of us here in this place. And it's one that either tonight or someday soon we're all going to have to answer. What will I do with Jesus? Some kind of answer must be given. It cannot be passed over. It cannot be just shrugged off and say maybe another day. It is a question that demands each and every life to give an answer for. We know that Jesus Christ and his work on the earth, his work on the cross, and his resurrection were all given as a means of salvation for his fallen creation. But just because the work took place and his sacrifice bought our freedom doesn't mean we are automatically made free. There is a decision on our part that has to be made. A changing of direction in our lives. A laying down of the old. Repenting of our sins and turning our hearts toward Jesus. Allowing that born again experience to take place in our lives. And then walking daily in his word and relationship with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 says this. We then as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul said we are pleading with you that you don't take the grace of God for granted. That you don't take God's grace just casually or not in the respect that it deserves because you have heard of a day of salvation may come sometime in the future. He said the time to get serious about your salvation is now because today is the day of salvation. He said don't be all sloppy with it and treat it like it's not that important because you've heard about it all your life. But he said take it serious because today is the day of salvation. None of us, we've heard this time and time again, but it still holds true. None of us know what tomorrow holds. None of us know what's going to happen when we walk out of these buildings tonight. I've heard, and over the years, I know you have, I know I have, over the years have seen people come to the doors of the house of God in weeks or months, maybe even years, but pass away and never make it back, thinking they have their whole lives ahead of them. We, we must face reality that we are all not promised tomorrow. And so we must get it right today. And we must make a decision today. Paul said, today is the day of salvation. He told the church at Corinth, don't just haphazardly treat this gospel. He came to you and he reached you and he saved you for a purpose. To keep yourself ready. Because whether you go by the grave or by rapture, either one could happen tomorrow. And so he said, make a decision and stick with your decision. If you're going to live for God, live for him with everything you've got. If you're going to decide to be saved, then stay in the church and stay in the word and stay in prayer and do everything you can every day to live your best life living for God. And here's the key. If you don't get it right, there's grace. Grace is for when I don't get it right. But grace is not for me to just go out and do what I want. There's a difference. That's not grace. Grace is saying, I've given you a chance to be saved. And because I know your flesh, you might not get it right tomorrow. But that does not give you an excuse to just go ahead and make a mistake. But it's there if we make a mistake. And so Paul was urging the church, you, you got to get it right today. Proverbs, Proverbs 27 and verse 1, even Solomon way back in his day said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Huh. Solomon said, Don't boast about tomorrow, because you don't know what it's going to bring. Romans 13 and 11, Paul wrote to the church in Rome and he said, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul told the church at Rome, I want you to really listen to this. He told the church at Rome all those years ago, we are closer to the day of salvation now than we were when we first believed. So how much closer are we today 
to the day of salvation than Paul in his day. Come on, I know I'm sound like an old-fashioned preacher on an old soapbox, but honey, we've got to recognize this thing. We've got to make a decision in this thing. We've got to get it right. We've got to make a decision, and we've got to go ahead and stand where we stand and say, you know what, I, I didn't get it right today, but I'll get it right tomorrow, and I'm going to make it right with God, and I'm going to walk with God, and I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to do my best to pray, and I'm going to do my best to worship, and I'm going to do my best to show up to the house of God because I know what God has delivered me from and I know where he's taken me from and I know the chains that he took off of my mind and took off of my spirit and so I'm gonna make a choice today that it doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm not turning back. I'm living for God. Paul said it's high time, it's now time. The time to be ready is now. The time to be awake is now. The time to be watchful and sober for the day of the Lord's return is now. All of you precious folks who had grandmas and grandpas and great grandmas and great grandpas in this, guess what? You're living in the days they were praying about. You're living in the days they were looking forward to. We are so close to the coming of Jesus Christ. We are so close to the wrapping up of this old world and the calling of home of Jesus' children. Honey, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that number. I want to hear my name called. I want to go to heaven. I want to dance streets of gold. I want to see Jesus. What? Shall we do with Jesus? In the text I read to us tonight, we are in the middle of the story of what would, most would call Passion Week. Jesus' journey to the cross and resurrection. And we find him where I took my portion of scripture tonight is we find him in what is called Pontius Pilate's Judgment Hall. Jesus has been arrested in the garden, betrayed by Judas, brought before the high priest for a trial. False claims have been made against him and ultimately given a guilty sentence with the punishment being crucifixion. But Jewish customs and law wouldn't allow them to sentence a man to death. So they brought him before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and asked him to sentence him to death. They made the claim that Jesus stated he was the king of the Jews, which in the political aspect of things would have put him trying to be equal with Caesar and take the Jews out from under Roman rule. And so after hearing much testimony and even Pilate pulling Jesus aside privately and speaking to him, Pilate is now faced with a decision. What am I going to do with Jesus? All four Gospels give an account of Pilate's judgment made to answer the question. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 5, we find the first answer Pilate tries to give the angry crowd. Luke 23 and verse 5, and they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the
the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate, trying to settle the angry crowd and give answer to the mob's cries for crucifixion, says, well, he's from Galilee, so take him to your your governor of Galilee. Take him to Herod. And whatever Herod says about Jesus, I'll do. If Herod condemns him, I'll condemn him. If Herod sets him free, then I'll set him free. Whatever Herod says. That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll pass this off to Herod. We'll let Herod make the decision. And whatever he says, I'll go with. Whatever he decides, I'll go along with that. And church, we cannot base our answer off of what we're going to do with Jesus off of what somebody else thinks. We cannot base our decision off of what we'll do with him in our own lives by what somebody else is doing with him in their own lives. We can't base our relationship with Jesus off of what our family thinks, off of what our friends think. We can't even base our relationship with Jesus off of what our pastor or our spouse thinks. Nobody can make a decision for you and how you're gonna live for God but you. It's not popular but it's what I felt to preach. We can't base our relationship with him off of what everybody else thinks. It's got to be a personal decision I am making in my own life. I must make it from what I read in this Bible, from what I've heard from him in prayer, and what, from what I've gathered from him in the services and in my own walk with God. I take all of that and I build my relationship on Jesus from that. We can't do something because Herod did it. When I was oh, privileged to be a youth pastor and serve as a pastor for some time, I used to tell the people every time I was behind the pulpit, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Take it home. Go get your CD, a tape, take your notes, go home, sit down with your family, open it up and dissect it for yourself. Look at it for yourself. What if I'm telling you something right now that's not in this Bible? Yes, God's gonna hold me accountable, but guess what? That's not gonna be your excuse for not having a relationship with him. You're not gonna be able to look and say, well, you know, because we, my family always did it this way, so we just always do it that way. That's not gonna fly. I come from a family who... Uh, went to a, a, a certain type of church just because all the family went to that type of church. Not a, and look, I'm not bashing. They'll tell you, but none of them read their Bible. None of them really knew what the Word of God said. They just trusted that the man that stood in front of them on Sunday at 9 o'clock was telling them the truth. I can't base a relationship with Christ on somebody else. Herod may not like him, but that doesn't mean I have to not like him. Well, praise God. Herod may not agree with what he's doing, but if it's in this word, I'm obligated to agree with what he's doing. I know a lot of folks in the world that don't agree with this word, and if I follow them, guess what? I'm gonna be as far from Jesus as they are, but if I make a decision, I'm not gonna go off of everybody else's opinion. 
I'm not living for God because my wife lives for God. I'm not living for God because my family came to church here. I'm living for God because I love him and he loves me. I'm not living for God because grandma and grandpa come here. I'm not living for God because this is where my Sunday school roots are. I'm living for God because I made a relationship with him. There came a time where he became real in my life and and I had to make a decision. Pilate, what are you going to do? We want an answer from you, Pilate. And Pilate said, well, we'll send him to Herod. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved... As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. (laughs) Paul said, not just in my presence, not just when I'm here, but I need you to do it when I'm not here. I need you to study it when I can't get behind the pulpit and teach it to you. You know, our elders used to, used to warn us of a day that we may not be able to gather in church again. Guess what? We just lived through that. So what's going to happen the next time that happens, but they also take control of Facebook and shut down our live streams, who's going to preach to you? If you're dependent on the pastor, then you might starve your spiritual man. But if you've got your own walk with God, Listen to me. We need a shepherd. The Bible said we can't be saved without the preached word of God. We have to have a watchman on the wall. But what's going to happen when that watchman can't be on the wall as much as we want him to be? What's going to happen when the watchman gets put in prison for preaching this type of message? Then who's going to be watching? And who's going to be looking for us? So Paul said, not only when I'm here, (coughs) he said, but even more when I'm not here. (coughs) Work out your own salvation. Open this word that I've taught you. Take the messages that I felt God give me to deliver to you. Take them home and preach them to your children and study the word and open it up and let the Holy Ghost inside of you reveal to you What thus saith the Lord? We can't just do what Herod does. Just as the crowd demanded an answer from Pilate, this world will demand an answer. And ultimately God is going to demand an answer. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God will hold every person accountable to this question. What will you do with Jesus? And so we find that Herod does not condemn Jesus. As a matter of fact, Herod sends him right back to Pilate saying, I don't find any fault in this man. But the crowd isn't pleased. And they grow even fiercer, demanding, <coughs> excuse me, that Pilate give an answer what are you going to do Pilate we're looking to you Pilate not to Herod 
not to anybody else. We're looking to you to answer the question. So Pilate now faced with this question a second time, he decides to try another answer in verse uh, in Luke chapter 23, verse 15. He says, no, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. So Pilate said, I sent him to Herod. Herod said he's found nothing worthy of death unto him. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Jesus and we're going to beat him up. We're going to chastise him. We'll whip him. We'll treat him roughly. And we'll set some guidelines. And we'll tell him, now you've got to stop saying this. You've got to stop doing all these things. You've got to withdraw some of that stuff you've been preaching. We don't mind you going into town and being a blessing. We don't mind you giving to the poor. We don't even mind you being a ray of sunshine and encouragement to those that are down and out. But all that Messiah stuff and all that Lord of all stuff and all that stuff about selling out and following you and taking up your cross and leaving your riches and denying yourself, you're going to have to cut that out. So Pilate said, here's what we'll do. I'll whip him and I'll beat him and I'll let him know what he can do and he can't do. I'll set limits and boundaries. I'll tell him what he'll be allowed to say and what he won't be allowed to say. I'll rough him up and show him the consequences of stepping over the line and then I'll let him go. We'll limit him. We'll let him do all the good things, but we'll draw a line and tell him not to speak anymore of being the son of God or the king of the Jews. We'll let him say a few things as long as they agree with us and not go against the grain. But don't start preaching to us about selling everything and following you. Don't preach to us and tell us how to live or act. Don't preach to us about loving others and especially those that hate me. Don't convict my life and make me feel uncomfortable. Just tell me everything is okay and you love me like I am and you just keep blessing me and healing me but don't demand any change or ask me to take up a cross. We'll whip him and we'll draw some lines and then we'll say, we'll let you go but this is how we're going to live. You're going to be my God on Sunday but I'm going to do what I want to do on Monday. You could come to me with prosperity and you could come to me with encouragement and you could come to me with feel good, but don't preach me into conviction. Don't make me want to change. Don't make me realize that I have idols in my life and that I'm struggling to really get a hold of you. Don't make me uncomfortable, preacher. Don't, 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 you know, Jesus, we're, we're willing to let you do some things here, Jesus, but, you know, we're going to have to draw a line somewhere, and we're going to have to say, you know what, we'll let you do a few things on Sunday, maybe the Wednesdays that I decide to come, but outside of that, Jesus, you're going to have to stay where you are because I'm comfortable with where I am. Don't preach change. Don't convict me. Don't make me want to change the way I'm living. Tell me everything's going to be all right. But you see, Pilate, you can't just rough him up and set some guidelines and tell him what days he's allowed to speak to you and what days he's not. You can't tie him to the whipping post and pick him apart and only take the things you like 
and discard the things you don't like. As I was studying for this today, I, I had an image in my mind of Jesus at that whipping post. And this may sound silly to some of you, but this is just how my mind works. But when I typed that, I was literally thinking, Brother Reeves, of people coming to the whipping post and tearing an arm off and tearing a leg off, tearing a piece of, of his torso off or maybe an ear off and saying, yeah, we like that, we like that, but the rest of it keep beating. The rest of it keep whipping. The rest of it keep it tied at the post. We don't want that part of Jesus. But Pilate, I come to tell you tonight that there can't be only certain parts of Jesus you want in your life. Jesus said you got to take it all or it's nothing. You're either all in or you're all out. There's no side uh, uh, sidelines with the Lord. Listen to me. You can't tie him to the whipping post and pick him apart and think that he's still going to save you. An incomplete Jesus cannot save you. An incomplete gospel cannot save you. If we don't preach the whole gospel, we are preaching false doctrine. Now, there may be some strong words, but I'm held accountable to this word as a minister. And I will not, I will not stand on Judgment Day and he say, Yeah. You know, but you didn't want to preach that and you stayed away from this and you disagreed with that. You know what? I may not like it, but as far as agreeing with it, that's not on the table. I don't like salad, but the doctor told me I needed to eat a whole lot more of it. My poor mother-in-law, she's old. She's like, boy, you got to get that blood pressure under control. But I like cracklings. I like boudin. Can't you tell? It looks like I live at Juno's. I got a tab there, by the way. No, I really don't. My wife wouldn't let me. But guess what? I had to come to terms with it's not healthy for me. And if I constantly feast on unhealthy things. And so I may not like the taste of some of these things. But I got, I got to have it. If I'm going to hear well done, thou good and faithful, I've got to have this in my life. And so Pilate... You can go tie him up and whip him all you want, Pilate. But at the end of the day, you still got to make a decision. Because you can't take the parts you like and dislocate the parts you don't like. You can't do it. You got to take him all or you don't take any. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The NIV version, I love the way it's written. Colossians 2 and verse 8, same scriptures, but in the NIV version. He said, 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, singular, the deity, God, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Christ. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Christ, all the fullness of deity, all of God and his attributes lived in that bodily form. Christ is the head over every power and every authority. He is the first and the last, the alpha, the omega. It's got to be all of him or none of him. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In him dwells all the fullness of truth. In him dwells all the fullness of healing. In him dwells all the fullness of salvation. In him dwells all the fullness of eternal life. We must obey the word, be full of his spirit, baptized in his name, and live according to how he commands us to live. We can't just beat him a little bit. Draw some lines here and there. We must make the decision to take him, all of him, or none. You have to choose, Pilate. They're not going away. The spirit of this world is not going away, church. We have to choose. We have to make a decision. I don't know if you've kept up with much of the news, but there's a big turmoil going on in Israel right now because certain members of Israel's government wants to throw folks in jail for talking about Jesus. Oh, it's here. It's here. They are trying to pass through Israel's parliament legislation that will not allow you. Now, this is the place where they have Jesus' tomb. The Garden of Gethsemane roped off. The place where Jesus walked the earth. And they're trying to pass a law that says, don't you come into town telling anybody about Jesus. Don't you try to convert anybody to Christianity. Or we're, and it's not just we're going to slap you with a fine. We're throwing you in jail. We are going to be pressured to make a decision, Pilate. The crowd's not going away, Pilate. They brought Jesus to you and they demand an answer. And Pilate was faced under this tremendous amount of pressure, undoubtedly, because he's already tried to send him to Herod, and they're back again. Now he's trying to say, well, we'll rough him up, and we'll tell him he can't do a few things. That's not enough. We need you to make a decision. We need you to tell us what you're going to do with Jesus. And finally, Pilate tried one more thing to escape making a decision. He tried to substitute Jesus for another prisoner. 
Mark chapter 15 and verse 6. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that they would rather take Barabbas than Jesus. You can't substitute for him, Pilate. You can't substitute for giving us an answer. Customarily, once a year at the feast of the Passover, the Roman governor would release a prisoner of the people's choosing back to them. And so Pilate, thinking that he would escape having to condemn Jesus, chose one of the most vilest, notorious prisoners he had in lockdown. And through his, his process, his thought process must have been, surely they won't choose this guy. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's ravaged their women. He's stolen their property. He's, he's taken things that, from them and, and he's done all kind of chaos. Surely they won't choose him. But yet even offering a substitute did not work. Pilate, we'll take him. We don't care who you bring before us. We're not leaving this square until you make a decision. We want you to tell us, Pilate, where you stand with Jesus. Not with Barabbas, not with anybody else. We want to hear your answer for Jesus. <clears throat> and church, nothing in this world can substitute for Jesus. No drugs, no alcohol, no nightlife and relationships, money and promotions. Nothing will ever be able to substitute for Jesus. Picking something else won't fill the void. Substituting for other things won't fix the problem or answer the call. This whole scenario, just like our life and its success, must be based on answering the question, what will I do with Jesus? Pilate, your problem is not going to go away no matter what you choose. If I didn't get anything else across tonight, hear this. The question is not going to go away no matter what you choose. You can choose to shrug it off and try to pass it off down to Herod and pass it off to another day. You can try to, to stay within the confines of something that makes you feel good but you don't want the rest or you can simply say, you know what, I'll just substitute. But none of it is going to be a sufficient answer to what you will do with Jesus. So what will we do? What should my answer be to help me solve the mess I'm in, the challenges that I face? What should I do with Jesus and his call to come be more involved with him? I believe the Bible gives us a very specific answer to all the questions that may be circling in our minds. And that is found in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Unfortunately, our story does not end well. Pilate does not choose to save Jesus. 
But yet Pilate chooses to send him into his mission that he was born to come for. But church today, tonight, we've all been faced now with this question. As I get ready to leave and head off into this Easter celebration. And yes, we need to celebrate. Yes, let's have some great family time and enjoy all the good food and fellowship. Or hopefully you have good fellowship. I don't know, you know. Sometimes you get a couple knuckleheads show up. So, <clears throat> But while <coughs> we're enjoying all of that, I think it would be appropriate to take a moment and really say, have I answered the question? What am I doing with Jesus? If that angry mob was to face me today, what kind of answer could I give? If my faith is put on trial, I saw this the other day, and it's real cliche, but I thought it was pretty, pretty neat. It said, if my faith was put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict me? What shall we do with Jesus? Stand with me. I'm getting ready to get out of the way. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless and we hope to see you on the next episode.